0: Welcome back. This is Truth Jihad Radio's second hour. I'm Kevin Barrett. The website is truthjihad.com. You can also go to my substack, which is kevinbarrett.substack.com. And subscribe to these shows, get early access to the shows and lots of other fun stuff. Okay, well, we're moving from mysticism into not just politics, but Canadian politics. But wait a minute. Canadian politics has become universal politics because... Well, I guess it's thanks to Justin Trudeau, who has become a symbol of tyranny, transcending the borders of our neighbor to the north, as we U.S. Americans call it, and spreading his his reputation all over the world. People around the globe who care about freedom and justice and decency have been uh, heaping opprobrium on the prime minister of Canada. And that includes not only people all over the world, but also people right there in Canada, specifically the province of Alberta, where Danielle Smith, the new premier, has taken over on a kind of anti-Trudeau platform, pushing human rights, uh, medical choice and things like that. So there is a freedom movement in Canada that really got the world's attention with the truckers. And here to talk about that and related subjects is Professor Emeritus Anthony Hall of the University of Lethbridge. I love saying that. Uh, Tony Hall is a longtime colleague, we've done False Flag Weekly News together, we've done some radio shows, we've spoken together, we've traveled all over Canada together, well, parts of Alberta and British Columbia, uh, and uh, he's uh, he's one of my heroes uh, who stood up to the bad guys at the University of Lethbridge and pushed back and fought them to a draw when they tried to kick him out of the university. For talking about the kinds of things that got me kicked out of the universities too, things like nine eleven truth. So it's always good to talk to Tony, and I think we may have him on the line now. Let's find out, uh, Tony. Are you
1: there? Well, I'm hearing you. Are you hearing me?
0: We're definitely hearing you. Okay, glad to hear your <laughs> your Skype worked, and boy, it's uh, it's it's good to have you back, um, and it's a good time, I guess, with all of the covid madness going on now the cdc is recommending injections for little kids and there's a big pushback against that uh, nobody's getting the boosters or few people are getting boosters and virtually nobody's boosting their little kids yet. the cdc wants to do it so this this covid era freedom movement versus tyranny thing it's it's not over yet is it
1: it's not over but what is becoming increasingly clear is that the uh, injections, I won't call them vaccinations because they're not, you know, they're they are worse than a failure. They don't work. They don't stop transmission. They don't stop infection. They just don't work. But they're worse than a failure because they are causing a lot of lethality, death, morbidity, and a huge amount of adverse effects. And, uh, so, uh, as the news gets out that the, uh, injection thing, you know, it's all going to be, we're all going to be saved by the injection. It's a big failure. It's a big flop, but it's worse than a flop, but it doesn't seem to matter. The people who've been coming at us, pushing the restrictions, pushing lockdowns, pushing, pushing masking, pushing social distancing and saying, you know, you can't use hydroxychloroquine, you can't use ivermectin, you have to take the injection, advertising the injection, you get a free beer with the injection, you get a lap dance, you get a joint, whatever. Then when they pushed that as far as they could go, they brought in mandates, meaning uh, you lose your job, you can't get uh, access to education, you can't enter gyms and restaurants and such. Uh And, uh you know, it comes out that, the transmission goes on. In fact, it may be stimulated by the vaccination. And yet uh, they continue with their agenda that it's safe and effective. This massive media juggernaut keeps coming at us with governments, government puppet governments under, you know, obviously some higher uh command uh structure. Because, you know, how do you convince all the governments of the world to make the same mistakes at the same time? They're obviously not acting independently. They're under some authority much higher than mere governments. Uh, and, uh, and yet they continue to push it at kids, you know, threaten more mandates. Uh, and, uh, so they're not giving up. Uh, and of course we'll want to connect this pattern to larger patterns like the war uh, between, uh, NATO and uh, Russia uh you know the economic collapse uh the supposed food shortages the supply chain shortages it you know the uh, covid lockdowns become the uh, cl- uh global warming uh, lockdowns uh you know it's all obviously being uh mobilized you know with great synchronicity with a lot of organization behind it And trying to make uh, heads or tails of it and sense of it is what we're here to do right now, right here, right now.
0: Well, we'll, let let me uh, toss out uh, an idea for you to react to. Uh, So it it occurs to me that, you know, we've we've seen all of this very ineffective COVID response and we're seeing right now.
1: Well, who's uh, to say, Kevin, it's ineffective. I'd say it's extremely (laughs) effective. It's they're doing what they plan to do and well, uh, depopulating us. But okay. anyway.
0: Right. Well, my, my hypothesis here's here's you already reacted to it before I even said it. But okay. uh, my, my my hypothesis here is that I, I notice if, you know, assuming that this COVID response has been as ineffective as it looks, that is that the, they insist everybody wear masks even though the evidence doesn't really support that. And the downside of it is, is just huge, especially for little kids. They try to get everybody mRNA vaccinated. And, you know, at the very best case scenario, that didn't work very well. And, you know, the worst worst case scenario is, is terrible. And uh, so let's just take it at face value as this, like, really, really ineffective response to a pandemic that really looks like, it came out of not only a military biowar lab, but a deliberate military biowar strike. And so now we're, we're seeing uh, advertisements for another kind of extremely ineffective response to another military catastrophe growing out of this World War III that we're right in the middle of, and that is we are seeing all kinds of mainstream media propaganda telling us to literally duck and cover I, I'm, I've seen multiple mainstream pieces in Newsweek and elsewhere uh, prepping us for nuclear war and telling us what to do when a nuclear bomb goes off nearby. And they're telling us everything from, you know, go to the middle of a concrete building, the biggest one you can find that you're close to. and that, But they're literally showing these duck and cover images of little kids getting under their desks uh, from back in the 1950s and saying, yeah, that's actually a good idea okay now guess what this is all going to be very ineffective too if there's an all-out nuclear war somehow i don't think this is going to help save us much better than the masks and the vaccines help save us and so considering that parallel tony could you imagine that the people putting this stuff out the people whose job it is let's say to protect us against biowar pandemics quote unquote and to protect us uh in the event of nuclear war These people know that we're in World War III right now. These people know that the U.S. launched World War III with a biological attack on China and Iran in October of 2019. And they know that the U.S. Zionist empire is going down unless it fights World War III while it can still win. And they hope maybe they can still win now. So they're going for a nuclear war sooner rather than later. And so all of this protect yourself, protect yourself stuff. Uh, whether it's from COVID or from nukes, is, well, uh, maybe just what they do. You know, that's, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, sure, they probably think that the vaccines and the masking helps just as they think that ducking and covering would help, going into a concrete building would help, uh, not breathing, you know, ke- keeping the air out would help, and all these things they're telling us to do when the nukes hit, uh, just like all these things they told us to do when COVID hit. Yeah, they think that it's going to help a little bit, and their job is to tell us to do that, and they're a bunch of complete morons and cretins who shouldn't be trusted with these massive weapons, more than you know, an inch. Uh, I mean, is, is it possible that it could really be you know, that rather than like a nefarious uh, depopulation conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't it, couldn't it just be these same military morons who've created so much havoc and destruction and death over the years in the many the earlier world wars this century, the other wars? I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's, it very well could be that.
1: Okay. So, uh, you put a lot of, uh, frames around it that, you know, whether, whatever the truth is, let's assume this, whatever the truth is, let's assume that. And then the uh, remark about uh, depopulation, blah, 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 like it's hard to deal with that. It's so cosmic. And yet Michael Yaden, you know, Dr. Michael Yaden, he you, you watch the progression with him, the former vice president of Pfizer. And, uh, you know, he was contributing in the early stages in 2020, thinking it's it's a mistake, it's incompetence if we help the people uh, involved in doing this uh, plan, pandemic uh, they'll listen, but he runs out of patience with that. And, and he comes to see, no, they're not trying to fix things. They're not making mistakes. It's not mere incompetence. There is a, a an agenda uh, leading us towards destruction. Um, so uh in terms of this war, uh, and of course, you know, now we've got a real war. We've been talking a lot, a lot about hybrid wars for, you know, recent months, recent years, uh, economic wars. But now, you know, it's an actual, uh, war between, you know, the most heavily armed, uh, powers on the planet. Uh, United States, you know, having its puppets in NATO, uh, the Zio-American NATO, uh, and, uh, and Russia. So what's really going on? Is it, you know, Putin has a, a, a principled stand? He he doesn't agree with, uh, uh, doing operations in little kids and transforming their genders. He's actually trying to build up Christianity and family values in his country. Or is Putin, you know, somebody's whispering in his ears and this is all kind of theater and charade. I, I really am not sure yet uh, on on the war because you know war outright war is famous for uh, you know for lies but let's uh talk about the nuclear uh issue and you know are we going into nuclear war and is it just incompetent people or people that don't have respect for human life which it does seem to be people who don't have respect for human life in the COVID matter, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Military people are not paid to have respect for human life,
1: quite the Yeah, answer. but doctors are. <laughs> but what about military? They doctors? don't. It really it really catches a lot of attention. But anyway, let me just do a bit of an introductory level here. Like in the Cold War, uh, the Russia and the United States, this bipolar. Situation: This superpower power rivalry uh, came up with something called a plan of, you know, mutually assured destruction, and had built up an, an enormous uh, nuclear arsenal and delivery systems. Uh, and it was structured so that uh, if one side was going to go down, the other side was going to go down. The uh, whole world and all life on the planet would end and uh and and so as i understand it there was you know thinking going on especially in the united states what good are nuclear weapons if we can't really use them and so people started thinking about you know more small scale nuclear weapons limited nuclear warfare because hey if we're going to make these things we want to be able to use them so i think uh the uh military-industrial complex is sitting on top of all kinds of uh, smaller uh, nuclear uh, weapons that could be used in kind of tactical warfare. I get the feeling that there are people inside the systems just itching to try these things out, to to see if we can use nuclear weaponry, but in a, some kind of controlled or uh, contained framework. Uh, and uh, so I suspect... That might be one thing going on. It, uh, I mean, if it is a depopulation scheme and some people uh, think it is the COVID matter and you're in a hurry and, uh, you know, you, you, you're going, you're planning on going from the, the lockdowns, uh, the COVID lockdowns, which killed some people through suicide and depression and such into, you know, global warming lockdowns. Maybe that's just a little too slow. Maybe, you know, so, so nuclear warfare can uh, really do depopulation in, in a fast way. But, of course, the, after the depopulation, it's hard to inhabit the areas that have been uh, depopulated. Whereas with biological warfare, you, you know, you can uh, take over the areas. Uh, you know, this came up in terms of considering how China perceives all of this. Uh, and we've d- discussed all of this. So um, do we want to go down the road of uh, uh, nuclear confrontation? I mean, one of the interesting things is that Ukraine has a a lot of people who identified with uh, the Third Reich, with the Adolf Hitler government of Germany. They didn't like the Soviet Union in World War II, in the World War II era. A lot of them uh, joined in the fight against Russia after – World War II, a lot of these people who were really not happy with the Soviet Union at all, they emigrated. They emigrated in great numbers, particularly to Canada. Uh, you know, our deputy prime minister, Chrystia Friedland is one of those. Her grandfather is famously a Nazi. And Ukraine, you know, continued to have this uh, Nazi, uh, this national socialist uh Element in uh, its uh, militias in its military and uh so it's interesting uh, and i don't think uh to be neglected that Putin when he did uh people say invade when he did his limited maneuver demilitarization maneuver he included denazification as a an objective so you know it's interesting for me to see for instance uh uh Justin Trudeau who in you know as the war was started starting he was standing up in parliament you know accusing the truckers of being uh, bigots and nazis and there was a whole thing about there was a nazi flag you know it's it's very interesting to see then within uh, a short period of time he's supporting The Nazi elements in uh, Ukraine. And and Tony, let's
0: remind people that that Nazi flag that supposedly flew next to a trucker was was a false flag, total false flag. There were were, there was not a Nazi flag flying contingent of the trucker protest.
1: Well, and you know, and we've talked a lot of times about you know uh, Jonathan Goldstein and you know that putting Nazi signs here and there on synagogues and whatnot. It's it's a great way to be able to say. Oh, look, uh, you know, these people are, are disgusting. They're Nazis. Oh, look, there really is such a great threat to anti-Semitism. We better, you know, do something about white supremacy and, uh, domestic terrorists. I mean, it, it's a well-known ploy to, and that's a kind of false flag to, you know, drape something with a, a reprehensible system. And then that gives you a license to destroy those people. So that's what Trudeau was doing. Uh, but, you know, interestingly, his deputy prime minister, who he ele- he elevated, Christia Freeland, she is from Ukraine and she really does. You know, her grandfather really was the propaganda chief of Galatia in World War Two. And she really does uh, fly off to Ukraine and she really does show the Bandera uh, flag. You know, that Bandera was a, a, a very um, uh you know, pro-Nazi, anti-Soviet in in, in the World War II era. And he's a kind of symbol for uh, Ukrainian nationalism, this particular take on Ukrainian nationalism. So now you look at uh, Freeland and Trudeau, for instance, or you look at all of NATO, which, you know, we've had this uh, way we've looked at history that we're the people who defeated the Nazis. But now our system is really joining the Nazis or the National Socialists as they would call themselves because Nazi is a, is a kind of slang term. It's like calling, you know, black people don't like to be called niggers. It's like the, the, the term came out of a kind of insult, uh, an effort to insult that regime, the Hitler regime. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is, and it, it really does seem that the people who've taken control, you know, starting with the people who took control, uh, in this, uh, color revolution in this kind of U.S. Israel back thing that went on in Ukraine in 2014. Uh, you know, it, it, it was, it turned out to be a kind of coalition of a, a Jewish oligarchs. Kolomoisky, you know, who was a TV producer and, uh, hired Zelensky to play the role of Ukrainian president. You know, he, he, he supported the Azov battalions and set up Zelensky who's you know assertively and aggressively uh Jewish and Zionist uh in his uh job as president of Ukraine uh and uh, uh you know it's it's just e- interesting to see how the you know all the uh symbolism that we've grown up with is now in total disarray another aspect of this of course was the uh the Nuremberg code uh, which was said, you know, you need, uh, cons- consent, uh, informed consent for those who are going to get the jab. And, uh, lo and behold, even in Israel, nobody had the time of day to follow this international law laid out that came out of the Nuremberg trials after World War II. Uh, that's where the doctor's trial gave birth to this Nuremberg code. And, uh, you know, even the, even the authorities in Israel uh, refuse to follow this important procedure the, these principles that you can 't conduct experiments on human subjects without uh, their informed consent and how can you have informed consent when you know the ingredients in this uh, injection are uh, many of them are secret they 're proprietary they're also military secrets they're also national security secrets and how can you uh, uh, have informed consent when you're promoting, you know, when you're having sports figures and religious leaders and, uh, show business people and all kinds of, uh, celebs, uh, promoting, uh, this vaccine. How do you get informed consent in that context? And then beyond that, when you can't get, you know, so, so this ignoring of the Nuremberg principles or the, uh, what, you know, this w name Nuremberg, you know it's not only tied to the nuremberg trials it's tied to the nuremberg um rallies famous rallies so that uh you know there were doc propaganda films made about it and all that so to thumb your nose at the nuremberg code is part of this well essentially we you know we're the nazis now our and you know our our nato for people and canada was a founder of nato which is to support support and defend the north atlantic it's called the north atlantic treaty organization uh ukraine is a damn long way from the north atlantic and i don't see what it has to do with you know well i guess it does have a lot to do with uh, with uh the fact that you know that it seems to be really all about germany and making sure that germany stays into this transatlanticism and doesn't look eastward and and join with russia which has always been you know the 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 fear how to keep Russia and Germany apart.
0: That, that's right, Tony. I think that explains why it is that during the Cold War, when the communist world uh, led by Moscow was genuinely posing a threat, military and ideological, at that time, nobody in the American command structure uh, and political leadership would have ever dreamed of going to the edge of war with Russia over Mm -hmm. Ukraine. It was perfectly okay to have Ukraine as part of Russia, but now it's not. What's changed? Well, obviously what's changed is that during the Cold War, Germany was split in two. And so the prospect of German unification with Russia and a unified Eurasian continent, which would turn North America into a marginalized uh, zone that could no longer rule the world, uh, that wasn't an issue. And now it is an issue. So I think that explains why Ukraine is suddenly viewed as being so crucial to the American empire's uh, security.
1: Yeah. And I guess we could look at, at, you look at it, you know, going back to Brzezinski and his book, The Great Chessboard, you know, this whole question of who is going to rule Eurasia. And, uh, you know, I think you and I have been in, involved in a movement that we might say is, uh, well, it's pretty obvious that Eurasia should be ruled by Eura- Eurasians. Uh, you and I go to Iran from time to time. You know, we're familiar with our friends in Iran. Uh, when we're there, we're often, we often meet a lot of Russian people. I, I never have in, in Iran seen a big contingent of Chinese people, but we're aware that, you know, our friends in Iran are very conversant with and do business with and uh, plan things with chinese and so this uh chinese iran uh great belt you know the, the the uh silk road people uh that we've been sort of uh in and around for for some time you know they they continue now to coalesce and become increasingly influential as uh the um uh, struggle of uh zio american empire i don't know is it zio anymore where where is israel in terms of china and u.s how what is going on behind the scenes between israel and putin israel and china we we don't you know i don't think we really can do anything other than speculate right now
0: well, well Tony doesn't doesn't it look like the usual suspects who uh largely dominate the u.s and europe and use that power over the west to keep israel expanding are on the side of the west in its war against russia and china uh they are the ones who are pushing the war against russia through ukraine the most uh vociferously Mm -hmm. it's the neocons and the zionists so my my take on this would be that the zionists have a lot more influence in the west than they have in russia and they have very little influence in china Uh, so it seems to me that they are the ones who are trying to make sure that the world is still run by the west and indeed they would like to completely conquer russia and china and iran for the west so they could establish a zionist dominated one world neoliberal state
1: yeah what uh, where i was headed with all of this uh, uh analysis was uh that uh you know the the question for some te- for some time as you know emphasized by brzezinski and his analysis is whoever controls eurasia controls the world and uh so, uh, you know, we got involved in that contest, you know, when, when we, I went to Iran in 2014, it was clearly, when I was there, I could see it was part of this negotiation towards the deal on nuclear power and nuclear energy. And, and, uh, there was a kind of idea that, okay, you're criticizing us in the West. The Iranians are saying, but you're not perfect. You know, you've got your own internal critics and that's what we were doing. Uh, so, uh, this question of, you know, and it, when you're there, it sort of seemed obvious. Well, Eurasia should be governed by the Eurasians. What sense does it make to have the United States on the other side of the world governing Eurasia? You know, that that. The, uh, and so, I'm I'm trying to suggest that, you know, this question of who is going to govern Eurasia is still uh, very prominent. And yes, it's true that uh, you know Israel does seem to, and and the Zionist worldwide community. Does seem to be making a lot of investment in building up the, through Zelensky and his propaganda, you know, the idea that we, we've got to be with you, the Ukrainians. And, uh, uh, but of course the, the, uh, idea of, well, what is Ukraine and, 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 uh, you know, is Israel, is there some scheme here, like we've heard about greater Israel up to the Euphrates? And if you look at the map, you find, oh, uh, you know, Ukraine is, is just beyond the Euphrates. And, no, it's uh, it's pretty
0: know, far beyond the Euphrates.
1: And if you look at, uh, you know, the, the Khazarian, you know, the, 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 trendy term or the way to avoid saying Zionism or Jews or Israel, you know, is, is to say the Khazarian mafia. And there was a whole kingdom, uh, that trend, you know, converted to Judaism. And, you know, much is made about this, that there is this, uh, you could say sort of european element the ashkenazi from kazaria not you know who who have no ancestral connection to 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 israel so uh the concept that uh when Zelensky talks about the bigger the big israel uh you know I- is there some uh very expansive uh ambitious plot zionist plot to expand israel in some sort of way i mean they're trying to create the world's dominant empire and the united states has been a useful uh instrument of that in you know in 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 recent years and throughout the 20th century in a way uh and now you know we're we're obviously seeing you know just a fundamental rejigging of the of the global system of alignments and alliances and uh, power, uh, which has a lot to do with who's going to control the banking, which has always been a pretty big question with the, uh, uh, you know, Jewish, uh, financial power, uh, you know, and now Zionist, uh, political power. Um, so these questions are good to address. And I, I, I just cannot, uh, resolve myself to say because it looks a certain way on the surface. When it comes to uh, these powers, especially with, you know, Zionist uh, influence being so important and strategic that uh, we can really know because, you know, we don't see evidence of Chinese being influenced by Israel a great deal, that it's not somehow underway and uh, happening under the surface. That would be a conspiracy theory, I suppose.
0: Well, you know, all conspiracy theories, whether you know they're the official conspiracy theories or the unofficial ones, ultimately have to be supported with some kind of evidence. And so, if you know, if people wanted to argue that somehow the Chinese Communist Party is dominated by Zionists, you know, they would have to provide. Well, some it wouldn't
1: be it, it, it wouldn't be you know such an obvious thing, and and you know that might be an outcome of. Of things underway undercover that we can't see right now but it does you know the the case is pretty compelling that uh, the Zionist constituency you know has had a good run in uh, the United States Uh, people got very wealthy uh, basing their uh, businesses and investments in in the structure of US power and US corporations uh but that seems to be exhausted and you know and 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 uh, there's does it does seem that there has been a stripping out of the United States and it almost seems like there's a hostility towards the United States that you know is the the effort to to run it down to exhaust it to uh well destroy it or uh degrade it or deplatform it from the t- top level of world powers, uh, it does seem that that may be underway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that would be partly uh, due to oligarchs in general, not necessarily just Jewish or Zionist ones, but people uh, of an oligarchical sort of orientation who see the American middle class, uh, which of course doesn't really exist anymore, but it, it did 30 or 40 years ago as this reservoir of reasonably well-educated and prosperous people who were, you know, threatening to maintain and expand a relatively democratic government and keep pushing for more and more equality. And that would threaten the position of oligarchs, and they would react against that. And such people might see that the American experiment, as it was actually working, was not really in their interests, and they would want to hollow it out and uh, make the world safe for oligarchs. So, yeah, I think there might be a hostility to the kind of classic American virtues uh, by these oligarchs. And of course, the oligarchs do happen to be disproportionately Zionist, but I do think that we have to differentiate between sort of oligarchical class interests on the one hand, and then the, the Jewish nepotism that uh, which is just a natural ethnic nepotism on another another level and then finally the third level is commitment to the state of israel so you know not every oligarch is jewish uh not every jewish oligarch is committed to the state of israel and pro- probably most jewish oligarchs are very much interested in ethnic nepotism in any other way that they could possibly make money and expand their wealth and power so it's i think it's it's a kind of a complicated question but it's good to sort of define your terms like that so we know what people are talking about
1: yeah well uh the some of the points you made there um t- to me we could look at that and say let's deal with the fact that there was a conscious effort to use this covid scam to uh injure you know certain interests certain uh parts of the population and it was very clear that there was an agenda to hit the middle class to destroy the middle class or uh degrade the middle class to um, depopulate the middle class and you know the classic example being that Costco and Walmart were you know open and uh doing business the whole time and the people being shut down were largely mom and pop businesses little businesses uh supporting middle class uh working people um got hurt a lot and uh you know when when they made this uh uh, distinction between essential services like i remember trudeau making you know deciding who are the be the essential workers and the essential businesses uh if you didn't get in that category you know you 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 would be in difficulty great financial difficulty and then once if once you're in financial difficulty all kind of difficulties all kinds of other uh difficulties uh, come along with it
0: yeah, that's right, and they obviously made the big uh, box stores uh, essential, and the liquor stores were essential, but the churches won't, weren't. It seemed like there was almost a push to, you know, to go after the more sort of you know traditionally minded middle class entrepreneurial types, the small businesses, the religious people uh, almost seemed to be deliberately targeted.
1: Well, the and and you know the 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 targeting of s- know successful uh people who are christians you know that has been unrelenting that has been uh you know and the hostility towards christianity and uh treating uh christianity as some kind of uh, disease that has to be um <laughs> vanquished uh it, it, you know it's pretty obvious and this idea that you know the the deplorables uh, you know, they become, uh, the white supremacists and the domestic terrorists and, uh, you know, the January 6th, uh, event. Uh, I mean, when you look at the people doing this, the people in the FBI, the people in the State Department, you know, there's a disproportionate Zionist contingent in those positions, in those institutions. And, uh, so there does seem to be, you know, some, ethnic considerations or religious considerations is, you know, who, who is being targeted uh, and uh, who is being elevated uh, uh, and, you know, who is the legal system being turned against and who is it being uh, used to advance and promote. Mm-hmm.
0: But the kind of uh, official alternative media, if that's not a contradiction in terms, uh, seems to, be uh, pretty heavily Zionist-oriented, and and that includes outlets like, uh, well, in Canada, there's Rebel News, and here we have Breitbart and, and to some extent, Fox, you know, these sorts of outlets that position themselves uh, as critics of the official COVID policies uh, seem to be even more Zionist than the mainstream, just as Trump was even more Zionist than the Democrats. So yeah, how, yeah, how do you explain that?
1: Well, uh Rebel News may not be familiar to all the pe- all the masses the mass audience that we must be commanding right now, but uh, uh Rebel News is uh, an, an influential uh internet operation, you know, internet TV if you could call it that. Uh and its uh founder and leading light is Ezra Levant who is you know a well known Zionist uh, and uh but this rebel news, the heritage, the part of the political spectrum, you m- you mentioned Breitbart. It may be conceived of as a Canadian Breitbart. Uh you know, Rebel News in the Charlottesville um episode, you know, was uh very comfortable placing itself in uh you know in situation with people who were sometimes showing Nazi flags and Wanted to, uh, preserve the statues, uh, from the, uh, Confederacy in the United States. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, the, the idea of, uh, Zionists controlling, you know, all sides of the debate, both sides of the debate, uh, both, uh, sides of belligerence in war, you know, lending them, lending money to both sides. I mean, playing both sides against the middle this is very well developed and it's very well developed here in canada where uh rebel news is really the only game in town that uh uh in in terms of getting some kind of decent-sized audience where you know the COVID issues and the restrictions have been opposed by uh rebel news um and you know i've been part of uh groups here in southern alberta I'm based in Lethbridge right now. Uh that uh have been uh organizing around the COVID issues. And sometimes I try to raise, you know, the the question of Christian Zionism because when you get into this movement, there's a lot of uh Christian people. I've been going to church myself and enjoying uh the the fraternity and sorority with Oh, mashallah. Uh, You've come you're coming yeah. to God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, one thing, you know, as I, I, I try to raise this issue of what's really going on in the coverage of these COVID in- issues and, uh, and I raise, uh, you know, the concept of Christian Zionism and, uh, you know, people who I I think really are Christian Zionists, they have no idea what I'm talking about. It's, it's really, uh, just so not like the, of, the
0: fish in the water they're swimming in.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not part of the discourse. And, uh, I don't know the the Polish sort of leader who's in and out of prison on these covid issues uh you know he he's uh is Ar- Arthur Pawlowski pa- or something How yeah, do you say his name Arthur Pawlowski Pawlowski Arthur Pawlowski pa- okay. and when I first saw him and met him at the Lethbridge City Hall giving a speech and calling all the police uh nazis and uh you know asserting that all of us in the way we've been treated are are the Jews of the current time. Um, he was wearing a uh, a Star of David a a flag um, which is, you know, all a uh, Star of David which is also the flag of of Israel. Uh and he, he you know, he's sort of a darling of uh, Ezra Levant on the uh Rebel News uh television uh network. Well, quick, quick question here, Tony. Did,
0: did the usual suspects at B'nai B'rith and so on push back against the COVID protesters appropriating the symbolism of the big H, one and only, incommensurable Holocaust? Um, in, in other words, I would think that most of them wouldn't like uh, Arthur Pavlowski. Uh, wearing a star of David and saying, "Hey, we're the we're the Jews these days. We we anti-vaxxers are today's Jews." Because usually the you know the big age Holocaust religion worshipers like B'nai B'rith really don't appreciate when anybody else thinks they're even close to being the kind of victim that the Jews are.
1: Uh, well, whatever uh, you know, he he is really embraced by Ezra Levant and all the uh, journalists that work with Ezra Levant and uh, Rebel News, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, he somehow manages to command considerable audiences. For instance, he was, uh, he did a tour of the United States and met many people in the Republican party and he was on the Bannon show and featured on the, the, you know, Steve Bannon show. And, you know, I can't help thinking that, uh, he, you know, he, he is, he's handled and whatever he is coming up with has the approval of, at least, you know, not all Zionists are, it's not a monolithic thing. They're probably, uh, um, well, there are different factions who argue among themselves, but he's obviously, uh, pleasing, you know, some major part of uh, the Zionist world. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, you know, it doesn't get talked about. As I say, when I try to discuss this with uh, people who maybe even are Christian Zionists, because it's so influential, the support of Israel, in north america you know depends so much on uh christian zionism you know john Hagee, who was born uh, who was given a, a jet plane uh and uh you know the people who vote uh you know the politicization of christian zionism to support the wars that serve israel um you know that this is such a, a, a major issue and uh you know it's really Troubling to me when I watch Bannon, for instance, and you know it—it's it, so interesting to see a real articulation of the disparities between you know Biden and Trump and and there you know these differences that exist or should exist between the Democratic Party and the Repub- Republican Party, but you know the, the the question of whoever is in charge of the United States then or the, who is in charge of Canada or France or Germany. I mean, they've got to meet, they've got to be vetted by Zionists. They, they can't get positions of leading a government or even leading, uh, a, you know, a, an opposition party in, in these parliaments or even leading in a trade, trade union or, or whatever that, that without getting the approval of this constituency. And it's never talked about. And of course, it's not talked about on rebel news. It's, uh, uh, and, and, uh, when I try to, uh, you know, Arthur Pulowski has become the first uh, president or leader of something called the alberta independence party there's a a very significant faction in Alberta uh, who is saying we 've had it enough with uh, Canada, certainly Trudeau has sort of pushed us in that direction. Uh, uh, Alberta, you know, generates a lot of the resources that run Canada. You know, there's a great oil, oil and gas, uh, resources here. Uh, plus, you know, great farming and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place and big forests and, but, you know, oil and gas, it's one of the richest jurisdictions in the world. And, uh, so whoever controls, uh, Alberta, you know, there's a, there's a lot riding on that and, Trudeau has been so abysmal, and in the way he treated the truckers could be seen as, you know, a, a, a kind of microcosm of how he's been treating Albert Burtons all along. Uh, and of course, Alberta gets stereotyped as, you know, right-wing bigots and rednecks and all that kind of thing. And he yeah, obviously He's the
0: Texas of Canada. Uh,
1: <clears throat> yeah, they they sometimes refer to uh, Calgary as, uh, you know, Texas North or oil patch. Alberta's Texas North. So, um, so so all these issues are, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that uh, there's some things that just can't be talked about. And, of course, you and I have both been, you know, pushed to the margins and pushed uh, in very uncomfortable ways by insisting on talking about some of these unspeakable issues. And so it's upsetting to me that, you know, our, of course, Arthur has a lot of cred because Arthur Pawlowski, you know, he's in and out of prison. He's faced a number of charges. His church gets, uh, sort of invaded and he gets arrested during lockdowns. Yeah, every,
0: every time he gets, he goes to or from prison, it's another news story.
1: Yeah. And, and it gives him a lot of cred and people, and he is a kind of seen and could be interpreted as, you know, a martyr for, for the movement. Um, but, you know, when I saw him with that, uh, starved David on his uh, coat sleeve, you know, it's so, sort of seem well, he must be in some way protected. You know, that, that faction has a lot of clout to decide. Well, well,
0: is, is, Tony, maybe if, you know, if Arthur Pevlovsky leads the Alberta independence party to success and breaks it off from Canada, you know, that could solve the Middle Eastern problem because that could become the Jewish homeland and all the Jews could leave Palestine and leave the Palestinians alone and stop committing genocide and go to Alberta and live happily ever after on all that oil money.
1: Yeah. And then instead of being governed out of, uh, you know, by Israel first partisans, uh, Zionist factions inside and outside of Canada, uh, you know, we can leave Canada and then have the same government of you know Zionist <laughs> Israel first partisans
0: there you go yeah might as well make it official i guess
1: yeah and then <laughs> and then of course uh the you know the the question about banking and you know we haven't got into all of that but this is such an important dimension of you know the the uh Russia NATO split uh you know the covid thing you know it it all seems to be coming down to the real war underway is who's going to control you know the the money flow how you know who's going to have access to the whoever makes the rules of the money flow uh we know in the united states since 1913 in the creation of the federal reserve uh that uh this granting to private interests, to private bankers of a the right to print money, to create money and, you know, claim that money and then lend it back to the, uh, authority that chartered them to be able to have this power. Uh, this has been a total, uh, destabilizing factor in the way our world has, has unfolded and the way uh, power is, uh, is, uh, uh apportioned. I mean, when you think of, uh, you know, what does it cost to buy Congress? What does it cost to buy all of the media? Uh, you know, what does it cost to be bribing everybody from, you know, all up and down this, the, the way? Where, where does all this money come from anyway? And how come it's so, uh, you know, distributed in such a, um, you know, a, a, an unfair way that doesn't serve all of humanity, but serves a very small constituency really, really well in in fact put so much power in their hands that it sort of destroys any semblance of what we used to call democracy or um so so you know what what are we going to do about that as the uh you know it seems that all these new technologies like uh uh you know being genetically modified humans, GMO humans, you know, all all the stuff that we found out is on the books for us uh through the COVID situation. Uh, you know, and, and we've had no um, democratic discussion or even an academic discussion or public discourse discussion on, you know, how to use these technologies. And then we find out about these new technologies when uh, those who, who own all the money and run the system uh, have already plans for, you know, how we're going to be transformed into um, genetically modified humans, transhumanists. You know, this R- mRNA, what was really going on with that? Is, is there some, uh, is it injecting platforms into people so that nanotechnology, you know, we can be connected to the larger internet through, you know, um, spy devices put under our skin? Uh, so, um you know, having wealth seems to give you control over how, how they Technology is going to evolve, and how the technology is going to evolve is, you know, controls how how power is going to be exercised. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's so much need for discussions about these issues, um, and of course, you know that it's painful to watch the universities. Uh, and you know, I spent my working life working at uh, universities. Especially the one that eventually suspended me because I was talking with Kevin Barrett on False Flag Weekly News, suspended yeah, yeah. pay, you know about, and we would talk about Palestine and Israel and these sort of things. It's
0: good and, that you're, you're retired now, although they might try to revoke your uh, emeritus designation.
1: Yeah, and of course, you know the 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 topic, the, the really forbidden topic is 9 11, and the Israeli or. Jewish uh, Israel first partisan aspect of of nine eleven. It seems to me uh, that is uh, you know something that is really controlled. And of course, I, I felt that uh, being a Native American studies professor and my efforts to look at uh, Palestine and the experience of indigenous Palestinians and make comparisons to what had happened, you know, since fourteen ninety two to native american people to discussing what has happened to palestinians especially since 1948 and making uh comparisons and uh seeing parallels and whatnot that that was a a really forbidden subject so uh you know then watching the universities through this COVID experience i mean it seemed that the professors were largely uh, just concerned about, uh you know, keeping themselves as distance as they could from students. And it's professors who wanted the mandate and, you know, wanted to be teaching classes by distance learning. And, you know, that, so, so when these mandates came out and all of these restrictions came out and all this sort of tyranny and suspension of civil liberties and human rights and all of that, uh, boy, were we ever failed by all our institutions, you know, the churches, the governments, the media, uh, the courts. But, yeah. you know, it's sort, of, sort of
0: like after nine eleven, the
1: Yeah, being let down by the universities uh who, you know, had nothing to say uh, and didn't contribute to the to the discussion. And, you know, once again, here we're left off in the, you know, in the sidelines, you and I. Talking about issues that should be you know very very old courant and and you know within the halls of academia, but you know yet again, we find ourselves feeling pretty alone on you know trying to discuss these subjects on on their merits rather than on uh, you know virtue signaling or uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, political it, it correctness seems,
0: seems to me the atmosphere has really changed when I was coming up in the universities I was an undergrad from. You know, 76 to 81 and a grad student and then teacher after that, it seemed like back then uh, there was a lot of willingness to embrace these kinds of uh, disturbing perspectives. Like I, I never really met anybody in universities that didn't agree that the JFK assassination was probably a coup d'etat mm. and people talked about it. Most people wouldn't devote their professional lives to it because they they realized that might be putting them in harm's way. But everybody was was open to perspectives that would be reported in underground newspapers and things like that. It was it was normal. And there was a genuine attitude of critiquing the powers that be was what we were supposed to be doing in the academy. And that was also taught in journalism school. I I got a J JBA at the Wisconsin Journalism School uh, in 81. And so just the atmosphere was so different. And today it I can't even tell whether. These academicians even have any clue about what's actually going on uh, or whether they're sort of aware of it, just pretending and, and mouthing the correct platitudes to stay employed. It's It's really strange. I don't get the sense that there's still any of that spirit of wanting to go up against the establishment and critique power, which was pretty much everybody agreed that's what you were supposed to do. You know, some were Marxists who thought you should critique power from that perspective so that the working class could take over and create paradise on earth. Some were postmodernists who thought that was the right way to critique power. That was the accurate way to do it. Everybody agreed in critiquing power. That was just unanimous. Mm-hmm. Now they're all just mouthpieces for power.
1: Well, and now we get into, you know, the, the woke and what happened to the left. Um, well, yeah. And, uh, I the, I and, the and the we'll have, that, have to get into that at another show. There. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll do another show on that sometime. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Tony Hall, it's always good talking to you. Okay. Likewise. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That's I'm, at. You know, I'm Kevin Durant. Just, yeah. Yeah, okay. hey, how are you listening to Revolution. Com?